I'm Mike. I'm Dave. And this is Between the Lines. Today on Between the Lines, we'll be talking about the Juneteenth celebration, how that got started, um, and uh, a little bit more about the holiday itself. Today on Between the Lines. We're back. We are back. We are here. Um, so we're kind of a day late and a dollar short, but um, yesterday... More, more a dollar short than a day late. <laughs> yesterday was Juneteenth, um, uh, a newly uh, proclaimed federal holiday. Um, so this is the first federal Juneteenth in American history. Um, so we figured uh, in the spirit of the holiday, we would kind of go over... Uh, it's real true meaning, uh, how it started, how it came about, um, and how we got to where we are today. Um, so to start off, I think the, the um, uh, best place to start is you can find us on Facebook at PA Between the Lines. You can find us on Twitter at the BTL Podcast, and you can check out our website, uh, thebtlpodcast.com. Uh, last week, um, I, I always blanket what we were talking about last week. Um, UFOs. UFOs. That's what it was. We were talking UAPs. about the UAPs. And before that, we had an episode on the lab leak theory. Um, uh, interesting comments this week from John Stewart on the, on the lab leak oh, theory. Yeah. But uh, I digress on that. I encourage everyone to go. Um, Hershey PA is now in the news because apparently there's a, <laughs> a pandemic. Chocolatey, a, a, a breakout of chocolatey goodness. <laughs> Uh, near Hershey, PA. He just made some really good points uh, about um, uh, about uh, COVID. So I encourage everyone to go check out that clip as well as our previous episodes uh, here on Between the Lines. Um, but today uh, we are talking about Juneteenth. Um, so I, I guess the the obvious preface is um, at one point in this country there were slaves. Yes, um, and it's. Uh, well-known fact that those slaves at some point were freed um, through the Emancipation Proclamation. Problem is that word didn't get to Texas. Yes. <laughs> they didn't have Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. or. Uh, so word didn't get to Texas uh, for two and a half years, actually, after the, the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. So um, I forget the gentleman's name. Which makes me wonder that. what other no news didn't they get yeah, in the process. Exactly. Like, Two years behind. Things really move slow. Um, you said a day late and a dollar short. You know, they were it. like uh, two years late and how yeah. many dollars shorter? So uh, it wasn't until uh, June 17th, um, 1865, they rolled into Galveston, Texas. And then on June 19th, um, the proclamation was given. He, he eventually just read the general orders. Uh, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation of the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. Pretty, pretty short to the point. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was there was some pushback. Um, they had to actually go all throughout Texas um, and uh, free the 250,000 enslaved people that Texas still held. Um, and what was crazy is a lot of people hid their slaves uh, until after harvest season before they freed them so that they could... So it wasn't so much a question that they didn't know. Yeah. It was is originally... That, is that the debatable piece of that's this? That's the debatable piece. It was... Because it, it's even said um, some people even fled to Texas uh, because they knew that 
it, it really wasn't a state yet. It was still a. Re- it was its own thing. It was the Republic of Texas. Well, wasn't it owned by Central Mexico? It was one- Me- Mexico at one point. Then they declared independence from Mexico in the early 1800s. Yeah. I think it was. They were a new independent state at that point. Not not state as in United yeah. States. Uh, to clarify for kind listeners, almost like their own country. They were. They they were state in the in the, in the nation sense. They were their own nation state. Um, so they and they've were, been pretty much threatening to do the same thing for since about eighteen. Yeah, whenever. Yeah, every time they, they, they don't get it. Well, we'll just make ourselves our own state then. See what you like about that. Uh, <laughs> tell <laughs> you what, <laughs> I'll take my my Dodge Ram upside your head. Yeah. So um, at any rate, they um, this this army literally had to march into Texas, and it wasn't just Texas. It was the whole South. Yeah. Um, obviously, the South really hadn't quite lost the war. Um, it wasn't until January 1865. My dates might be off on that. Um, January 1865 is when I think uh, Robert E. Lee formally surrendered at Appomattox. Yeah. Uh, because uh, those that aren't well-versed in Civil War history. I mean, I'm not an expert or anything, but I know a little bit. Um, Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation before the war was over. Um, So essentially, he freed the slaves before the war was finished, essentially trying to cripple the South um, because their power was in their their, uh, industrialized uh, agriculture, um, cotton, so on and so forth. So... The thought was if they freed the slaves, then they would have no more um, industry and they wouldn't be able to, to do anything. So at any rate, uh, the Confederates didn't comply. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, they, they felt that there was no authority from the United States. And at that point, there wasn't. Um, so they didn't free their slaves. So the Union Army literally had to march its way through the South and slaves would run behind the, the battle lines and actually would escape through Union lines um, to get to freedom. Um, last stop, Texas. Hmm. Uh, so they made it to Texas, made it to Galveston, Texas. And, and uh, I actually think I was wrong. It was June 18th they showed up, and June 19th they um, they did the proclamation. And um, then in 1866, um, after everything was said and done, in December of 1865, the 13th Amendment was ratified. Therefore, officially freeing all slaves under U.S. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, territories like uh, Puerto Rico and all that yeah. stuff. Anything under the purview of the United States were free states. Um, you weren't allowed to hold slaves any longer. So just for context, uh, Texas actually became a state on December 29th, 1845. There you go. I knew so it was 20 days, <laughs> almost 20 days or 20 years, 20 years to the date. To the day. Um, so then um, after the 13th Amendment in December, uh, the following uh, June, on June 19th, um, they held what was called Jubilee Day um, that was a celebration for all of the newly freed African Americans. Um, they had uh, parades and there was dancing and just large-scale meals and celebration all throughout Texas on that day. And then it became a Texas state holiday 
um, therefore after, um, 1866 afterwards, it was a state holiday, um, where they were, they celebrated, um, um, the final, uh, step in the emancipation. Hmm. So now, uh, it's more looked at as kind of a general celebration of the end of, um, the end formal end of slavery in the United States. And to an extent, I can understand that since it technically was the last state yes. to really, uh, acquiesce to the yep. new laws of the land, so to speak. Yep. So, and it was the, it was the custard's last stand, so to speak. It was, um, it was their, they really wanted to hold on to it. They really weren't a state yet. So they, in all intents and purposes, they technically didn't have to follow, um, the constitution. But at that point, that's what Lincoln did is Lincoln changed the United States. Um, the civil war did two things. Um, it freed the slaves, but it also changed the United States from, um, saying the United States are to the United States is it kind of made it, um, a Republic, a full, full on Republic. Mm. Um, cause before that each state was somewhat independent uh, yeah. of itself and it was just a collection of independent sovereign states after the civil war, it really wasn't anymore. Um, it still kind of is, but the, the state, the statehood was a little watered down. Well, that was whole. That was Lincoln's big, yeah, push is the idea of union. Yeah, and uh, you know that that even to this day, you know, Civil War historians and uh, scholars will debate. You know, what was the biggest effect of the Civil War? I mean, we know one of the most obvious things being that of the abolition of slaves. The abolition of slavery, slaves, you know. but at the same time, it also eroded a lot of the the state's abilities to stand on their own with regards to certain things. And that's where the argument comes that the the Civil War was really at its core fought over states' rights. Yeah. And it was. Um, That's not not watering down the evils of slavery um, or anything like that, but it truly was a fight over states' rights. It just happened to be the right that they were fighting over was the right to own human beings. Um, It makes me wonder... If there were, this is maybe delving into a little bit of the unknown piece of the history, but I wonder how much of uh, slavery being a thing in the southern states played into the hands of more of the Federalist mindset with regards to what they foresaw the U.S. being. Sure, and and that's a very good point. Um, I think what you're trying to say is, had there been no slaves at all from the beginning... yeah. Then maybe this wouldn't even maybe have the been states a, would have more standing with yes. regards to because pre um, pre Civil War the states kind of ran the show um, the the states made the major decisions and the the federal government was really just kind of there for defense purposes um, you, you know um, trade and commerce regulations and things like that they were they were really a mouthpiece um, and the states kind of made made their decisions on their own and each state was allowed to kind of act as an independent nation aside from levying war 
uh, trade agreements with foreign powers. Yeah. It had all of the other accoutrements of a country. It, they just didn't have foreign trade powers. And well, like if that. you even look at it from, not to digress from the topic, but if you even look at uh, state militias and what role they played in each of the individual states versus how they're looked at today, yeah. state militias are looked down down at nowadays. You know, Oh, it's, sure. It's, it, when you have Almost made fun of. Yeah. Almost like they're the crazy fringe, whereas yeah. then that was the National Guard. That's what saved your ass from the, Sp- the Spanish and the French and exactly. everything else when they but, invaded. I mean, things evolve, you know, nonetheless. I mean, granted, you know, the point was is that the U.S. wouldn't be able to stand on its own with regards to some of the upcoming events that would come up in history, such as World War One and World War II, sure. had we not been, you know, that united. But yeah. at the same time... You know, it's still. I can't. I couldn't. I could only imagine what World War Two specifically. Uh, World War One was its own monster, but I think World War Two um, was the the birth of the um, military-industrial complex. Yeah. And to your point, had had the Union not unified, for lack of a better term, where it was, because um, all right, the best way to put it is. Prior to the 1865, you would refer to the United States as, um, hey, the United States are are going to do this. And then afterwards, you had to refer to it as the United States is going to do this yeah. because it was one body now. Yeah. It was everything then was centralized to Washington um, and all the decisions then were made in Washington. It used to be the representatives had the most power mm-hmm. because they were the ones making the decisions so a uh, little bit of a history lesson here. Uh, we're just about halfway through, but I wanted to um, kind of delve into this for a second. Um, so the, uh, the way that it kind of ran prior to uh, the Civil War is the representatives would make all of their decisions and talk to their constituents at the state level while they were in their state. They were in their state more than they were in Washington. So it was a reversal of the way it is now. And then they would convene for a certain amount of time and they would take all of the information that they've gathered from their constituents in their respective states and they would bring that to Washington and say, hey, this is what Pennsylvania wants. This is what Virginia wants. This no. is, and, then and that's, that's the way it was supposed to yes. be to begin with. Yes. Now we kind of have a different way. Now the, those folks sit in Washington and they come back to their constituents and tell constituents how Washington is going to do things. Yeah, it's backwards. It's and, backwards. And truth be told, if it's really structured the way it should be, at least in my thinking, is that the senators are the ones that should be filling that role. Yes. Because you have two per state, and that's never changed. No state gets more senators than the next state. That's yes. always been the balance in the Senate. Um, but, you know, they were the ones that were convening with the president and the administration and figuring out what the direction is and blah, blah, blah. And then convening with the state houses and whatnot and, you know, taking that direction and, you know, delivering it and disseminating it and blah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, that's been a huge change. I mean, yep. it seems like all houses, all, all houses of government now serve the federal and exactly. mandate, so and, to speak. And that was actually what... Um, I believe what the founding fathers were trying to avoid. Um, you had your federalists um, that wanted a centralized, powerful government, and then you had your Whigs. Uh, at the time, they were Whigs that yeah. just they wanted all the rights to go to the states, 
and each state can run itself. And I think that's a better way to do it. Yeah. Um, because anytime, anytime you're talking about government and regulating, you want it to be on the smallest level possible. Mm -hmm. So your, your biggest things should start at a local level. Yeah. Um, with your local mayors and your city councils and well, things like that. Not for anything, but during 2020, we saw who held power in these states. Oh, yeah. Yep. There was, there was no doubt in my mind that we saw very point blank when the rubber meets the road, who makes the calls, who yep. calls the shots. Yes. And it's the governors. Yeah. The governors are the ones that make the calls. And it shouldn't be that way. No. It should be the local governments um, because obviously... Um, What's good for Podunk, Muncie, Pennsylvania is not going to work for New York City and vice versa. Yeah. Um, you know, Muncie, Pennsylvania could not live under New York City's laws. It just, they just couldn't. You, no. you couldn't do it and vice versa. Could you imagine um, the, uh, the chaos that would ensue if New York City ran under the same ordinances as Muncie, Pennsylvania? It would be utter, utter chaos. And that's why you just, you just can't have that. Um, we're digressing a little bit from yeah. uh, June 16th or June 9th, June 19th, Juneteenth. Sorry, man. Um, but we're we're trying to get to uh, a point that um, the the other consequences that came out of the Civil War, other than the um, the Emancipation Proclamation, which was um, essentially it was the I think that was more of a tool than it was a rallying cry that wasn't like the 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 whole reason for um the civil war to be fought um but it became the central point and really the human driving factor for the union was um the end of slavery because the union and um at that that time uh union republicans really wanted an end to slavery but they didn't know how to get there and then when the civil war hit they're like this is our this is our opportunity this is this is when we do it um I'm, yeah in the with regards to juneteenth something i was thinking about it's like what has what level of push has there been since 1865 to institute this as a federal holiday um i think very little in my understanding until last year i think is when it really started yeah. Gaining traction. And that's, that's part of my, there's something Bill Cosby did on one of his TV shows a long time ago. Now, granted, Bill Cosby is a rapist and sure, uh, sure. many other things. So I'm not giving him credit where credit's not due, mm -hmm. but you know, something he said in one of his shows, he, uh, it was an episode where his daughter came over with her newfound new husband, okay. the Navy officer. Yeah. And he, okay. he was phenomenal. He was you know, he was a great guy. I mean, he had a great career. He was respectful. I mean, there was nothing to do with him. And so they sat down to dinner and then he, Bill in his, you know, normal Bill dad type of way, described to them what this was like to him. So he t proceeds to show them the steak that he cooked and the potatoes and, you know, this great meal that he cooked that night for this dinner that they're getting together. And, you know, then he takes a garbage can lid and puts everything on top of it and said, that's essentially what you've done is that you've taken something phenomenal and presented to me on a garbage can lid, which I thought was a phenomenal moral, you know, to, you know, on a sitcom of all things to present. And that's my feeling with regards to this holiday. I think it's a phenomenal holiday. I think it's a holiday that should have been recognized a long time, a long ago. time ago. I, th my problem is, is the, 
the way it's been presented to us. It all came out of the result of 2020, which was nothing but a bunch of hyperbole and just, you know, misinformation that's been thrown about. And we've discussed this. We're not going to mm-hmm. go down that path again, but you get what I'm going with. Absolutely. This, is that yep. I think that they've muddied the waters, so to speak, with regards to the the purity, I guess you would say, of the holiday itself. Yes. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's just like they, what was it in, I forget what city it was, just built a, a statue to George Floyd. It's like, you know, there are about a million other African-American people, and I say a million, that's hyperbole. I yeah. don't know if there's that many, but I'm just several saying there's, there's several others that could have represented this cause with a much better background, with a much better standing. You know, there are a number of people they could have utilized, but they picked somebody. Where's that, uh, Where's Rodney King's statue? Exactly. That's what I mean. And I remember the Rodney King riots. I mean, I was old enough to remember that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was, that was real. Not, not to downplay a- any of this stuff that's going on, but that Rodney King... That is the that is a scar in my psyche that I re, I'm going to remember forever. Watching those men beat that guy. Yeah, if you want to compare levels of hate, that, exactly. that was that was visual. That was the epitome, and that was the turning point. If anybody should have had a statue, it should yeah. be Rodney King. I agree. Rodney King should be the one that they're that they're pu- putting up on this pedestal as he was the first. He was the one that everybody stood back and said, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you, you know this is still happening. You know, and not to and say that he's the only one say, no. in the last thirty or forty years no, that could are, meet those criteria. Absolutely not. There are there are several that fit that criteria. My point is that in in my personal opinion, George Floyd is not the best representative of that narrative. Yeah. Um, and uh, that not not to say narrative in a dismissive way because it's it's a it's a conversation that truly needs to be had. We've had this. Um, we've had this debate before on this podcast several times that um, there needs to be something done um, with the police uh, in this country, not just because of what's going on with with um, the African-American, the black community. Uh, and I, I catch myself saying it all the time. I hate the word Af- African-American, uh, but the black the black community um, to preface. I, I want to, I feel like I have to explain this every time. I hate the word African-American because I feel like it dilutes, um, it dilutes the amount of American. I'm no more American than a, a black American or, or a Latino American or, and I'm no more American than them. So why yeah. are we, why are we diluting their amount of Americanism by calling them uh, an African-American no, or Asian-American? They're Americans. It's just, just call been them accepted. Americans. It's become accepted as a polite way to not yeah. refer to somebody's. But that, bu- it, it personally bugs me. So I like, I, for those of you that are uncomfortable with the word black, I apologize. I would rather use that than African-American yeah. because I'm not comfortable with that. Well, in truth be told, it's like, I mean, we, we become not to muddy the waters, but we've become so hung up on, you know, referring to each other, how we refer to each other, by how we look. Yeah. And so instead of just, you know, taking the person's name and referring to them as who they are, you know, and that's what we've gotten around. You know, I don't care about, you know, with the whole pronoun discussion that's been happening that that wouldn't really matter if people just talk to each other by first name. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I get in literature and writing, you have to have pronouns used and stuff. And pronouns whatnot. are supposed to be for general reference. Yeah. It's not supposed to define somebody. Your that, pronouns shouldn't define you. <laughs> it's like the old guy that you grew up around your neighborhood. Say, hey, buddy. Hey, you. Yeah. Hey, you. And he never knew your name. He just called you. Hey, you. Yeah. You little guy or hey, sport. Hey, tiger. You, I went you know. to a college where the president knew nobody's name. So he would just call, hey, buddy, or hey, you. And that's <laughs> yeah. everybody was a hey, you or a hey, buddy. Exactly. So we just got used to it exactly exactly um and i I think we do focus a little too much on on the on the um on the cosmetic i guess is the best way to put it we focus too much on the cosmetic. people are people regardless of absolutely what their skin tone is or and where they come isn't it strange that 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 point of view has become a racist point of view you, now, if you say, I don't see color, I don't, race doesn't matter to me. Oh, well, that's because you're a racist. What? Yeah. Well, they're, <laughs> that, that just goes to show, is, and that goes back to what I started to say, is that I think they've muddied the waters of Juneteenth. I, I think it should be a holiday. I think it should Absolutely. be recognized. I think it should have been done a long time ago. I think it's a holiday that represents uh, a major evolving point in American history and American culture, philosophy, so to speak probably one of the most important things that have happened in the United States at the same time to suddenly push this forward as a result of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Not if, if this had gotten pushed forward as a result of Rodney King, it wouldn't have been muddied to me. No, it would have been justified. Now other people don't see it as muddied. No. Now we have to understand there are other people that don't see things the way we do. So, and we understand that that's, we're just giving yeah. you our thoughts on this. Exactly. But this at the is... same time, you have to understand is that, you know, in at, at, at the grand, at the base level of this, I don't care if you build a statue to George Floyd or no. Don King or, or, you know, anybody for that matter. It doesn't matter to me who you build a statue to, which in turn, it shouldn't matter that there are states in the South that still recognize Confederate statue. You know, that doesn't mean that they're running around recognizing the philosophy that they live their lives by. It was a mem- it was a marker of something that happened, somebody that did something in history, and it reminds us of the good and the bad of those situations. It reminds me of something that Bill Maher actually said. Bill Maher, um, I don't agree with the guy, <clears throat> um, but what he said was he made a comment. And he got a lot of shit after 9-11 because uh, he made a comment that the 9-11 hijackers were brave. And, and I, I get what I get where the backlash was. But you have to look at that from the outside in. Those motherfuckers were brave. Yeah. They gave their lives. They, they went a into a situation and gave their lives for a cause. And I'm probably going to catch shit for this too. I'm the most patriotic person in the world. But you got to give credit where credit is due. Those those guys believed in something. It was the wrong thing according to our philosophies. But they believed in something, and they faced incredible yeah. uh, incredible odds in order to fight for what they believed in. Yeah. What they did was horrible, but they were brave. For doing it. Well, it'd be like in the context, that's why context is so important in a lot of these discussions because we leave so much context out. We only look at the very superficial silhouette of what happened in these situations. So let's say you take that same situation of what was the flight that went down in Pittsburgh just out uh, of 93. So flight 93 in Jones, Johnstown. So you have these couple people that are brave, you know, quotation marks 
that take over the plane and basically, but then you have other brave individuals that basically stand up and end up causing the plane to crash because yeah. they'd rather, they'd rather, they'd take rather the take their down, own lives down than, than see the, see more people they knew die. As it was a result going for the white house. So if we expand that out, you know, to the plane that actually crashed into the world trade center, you know, let's say that, let's say that this was a bunch of U S special forces that were placed on a plane that were on, I don't know, uh, so Osama bin Laden has a private jet and somehow they managed to get onto the plane and they just decide that this is going to be a suicide mission. We're taking out the most egregious criminal in that part of our history yep. and they take the plane down. The context yep. from our perspective is that they did heroes. a great, they'd be heroes. And so to your point, that's yep. what I was saying that, yeah. that, that context you really builds on. So my, my bigger point was, is the Confederate monuments they're recognizing the sacrifice and the bravery of the soldiers yes. that fought for the Confederacy. Yeah. They, they were fighting for something that was wrong um, in, in the long run, in the context of hi history, what they were fighting for was wrong, but you can't negate the fact that these men took up arms and fought with their lives for what they believed in. Well, and two, you can't discount the fact that not every single Confederate soldier was a slave owner. Exactly. They were fighting for people that believed in slavery but that doesn't mean that they were directly guilty of having committed any of these atrocities yeah and you gotta you gotta remember too just as there were probably union soldiers that were pro-slavery yes there were most likely confederate soldiers that were anti-slavery oh, yeah. they were just fighting for their country they felt like um in the confederate states they felt like um, that the federal government had, had overreached its, its limitations in the Constitution, and that's why they broke away. They were not entirely wrong, but they were definitely not in the right. And, and, and in no way uh, am I trying to no. um, you know, prop up the Confederacy or anything like that. I'm just trying to give context to why they celebrate those Confederate soldiers. It's not because they still agree with the cause. Uh, at least not all of them. There are certainly some that still believe in that yeah. cause, but it's mostly because they're recognizing the sacrifice of those souls yeah. um, and being human about it. Well, if you think about it, it's like, you know, even in the context of World War II and the Third Reich, you know, there are testimonies of individuals that are still alive to this day that lived through that firsthand in the sense that they actually fought in the military. Yeah. They were people that, and you know, immediately because they were fighting on the side of the Third Reich, we would immediately assume that they agree with everything that the Third Reich exactly. did. But we can't assume that because we're talking about a number of people that is uncountable. I mean, in, in, in normal, do you, do you want to take the time to go through and, you know, make, you know, stake your entire career and your life and your credibility on the statement that every single person that's ever fought in every, any context of any military has com been in complete agreement with what that military represents. In other words, what it's leading heads represent and why they're fighting. That's a really good point. Even even in Vietnam, you had U.S. soldiers that, exactly. that didn't agree with the war. They didn't want to be there, and they, they, absolutely they did suffered not the effects of it after coming back. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, the, the point is is that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Exactly. Um, you have to do things on an individual level. There very well could have been very fine people on both sides of the Civil War. Uh, in fact... Um, there are there are plenty of stories of um, 
the 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 Confederate Army and the Union armies they would call like timeouts, and they would just the the two armies would get together and they would have they would like play cards, yeah, and they would do do all this other yeah. stuff, and then they they would go back to their camps yep. and then they would shoot at each other the next yep, day, yeah. And is it that strange? But yeah. it it just goes to show you we're all human at the end of the day, and and they may have been flawed human beings, but they they by no sense deserve to be relegated. Um, into the realm of um, unsalvageable. Well, that's or... why war crimes became kind of the thing after Nuremberg because, you know, typically there was a sense of decorum and a sense of respect and a sense of integrity that, you know, kind of permeated throughout the battlefield. And all, both sides, by on large, I wouldn't say all of them, but by on large, the majority of those in that battle, you know, had some level of respect for each other where they wouldn't commit atrocities against a person simply for the fact of being on the other side of things. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a recognition that human humanity existed on both sides. And you can even see this in older, um, you know, pre pre American revolution. Um, there wasn't as much guerrilla fighting. Um, everything was kind of, we've talked about this before too. You just kind of lined up two armies and you, yeah. you, the swordsmen fought the swordsmen, the archers fought the archers and kind of lobbed arrows. It was just a different kind of battle. Yeah. Um, and nowadays it's kind of behind, um, behind the scenes and things like that. Um, but to get back to Juneteenth before we're, before we're over, I think the overall arcing, uh, theme of today's episode is that we're very, very, very happy um, yes. that Juneteenth is finally a federal holiday. Yeah. Uh, we feel like it should have been done a long time yeah. ago. And uh, I guess we really just want to recognize that we're finally there. Yeah. Um, Not for anything, but I think MLK Day was kind of adopted in some yeah. regards to be that representation, although it was never like a full stamp of approval on the actual... Yeah. And something like I don't really like that because no. MLK Day is is a solemn, it's a solemn yeah. day because yeah. the man was murdered. Yes. Um. So it's a it it should be a solemn day of remembrance for his work, um and and his achievements for the. Uh, I for the agree. Black I'm community. just saying that. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying historically speaking because it's only been up until recent that this, uh, making Juneteenth yes. a holiday has become such a push. I'm saying that MLK Day has been kind 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 of the proxy. Yes. holiday i guess yeah. you would say and i agree with that i don't disagree with that but i feel like i feel like this is appropriate i yes. feel like juneteenth is more of an uplifting day yes it's a it's more of a positive uh more of a positive day yeah. like hey you know they're celebrating because they were finally um they were liberated yeah uh, by there's no other way to put it they were liberated on that day um and they deserve their celebration of that day and they should be happy they have yeah. it um and i think the whole the whole united states um we should all think of Juneteenth and June nineteenth, and we should think of that as a as a um, collaborative yes. way to uh, reflect. Um, and you know, for both um, white Americans and Black Americans and uh, Latino Americans and any other kind of Americans, um, just kind of reflect on the past and how far we've come. Yeah. Um, and the work that still needs to be done, um, we're, we're nowhere perfect, but that's why um, we'll end it on. Uh, that's why in the preamble, it states that um, to establish a more perfect union. Yeah. 
not they didn't say to establish a perfect union yeah to establish a more perfect union because there's no such thing there, as you, perfect. you're never going to get perfection and in fact i don't think it would be good to have a perfect union no. because given given the nature of what it would require for a perfect union to be in play i think there would be a lot that would have to be given up yeah you know yeah. you know what i mean and i think that would be a contradiction to the very element or yeah. the very essence of you know, what this country is supposed to be about. Utopia uh, is um, counterproductive to the American yeah, dream. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, exactly. It just, it just doesn't, it, it can't, it can't mesh with the American dream. So happy Juneteenth. Yeah. I know we talk, we try to play devil's advocate on this, on this podcast quite a bit because we don't like just taking things at face value. No, absolutely not. So um, we're always going to scratch at the surface. We're always going to pull at the, pull at the threads. Um, we're always going to reach between the lines. Huh? <laughs> um, but Do you get a dollar every time you say that. <laughs> we should get a dollar every time you say that. Um, but at any rate, uh, you can find us on Facebook at Purely Between the Lines. You can find us on Twitter at the BTL Podcast, and you can always visit us on our website at btlpodcast.com. I encourage everyone to go out to our website and check that out. Um, I really can't say anything else um, on this episode other than I'm glad that we finally have. Um, the recognition um, that we need um, and that the black community as well as just the American community as a whole kind of have a, uh, I wouldn't say it's closure. Uh, obviously we're nowhere near closure yet. Uh, we still have a lot of scars to, to heal, but we got to um, stop letting people reopen exactly healed wounds. This is a, this is a way to kind of put a bandaid over, over a very sore wound yeah. um, and, and allow it to allow it to heal. And not, I like it festered yeah. uh, for so long. Do you know, soul or uh, Thomas, is it Thomas? Thomas soul? soul. Yeah. He said something. He said, uh, racism is not dead in the U S but it's on life support yes. and it's being kept alive by those who are, uh, ill-intentioned yes uh, and have wrong wrong intentions in their mind and sure. whatnot. so keep that in mind is that this isn't a statement that racism is dead no but I don't know that it will ever be dead completely unless no and I you know truth be told it's like I think that's that perfect union thing it's like if we got there we got to wonder how we got there how did we get there yeah because you would have had to have eliminated exactly <laughs> exactly quite a few opinions yeah. but at any rate um we're so incredibly happy for everyone to um, celebrate Juneteenth. Um, uh, we hope that everyone got the celebration that they deserve. Yes. I hope everyone has a great week um, and just continue the celebration and the happy, positive uh, vibes from this weekend. Let that carry out happy, through the week. Happy, 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 happy. Um, at any rate, everyone have a good week. Um, kind of uh, mellow out and we'll see each other uh, next week. Have a good one. Peace out.